Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. The Clever Girls Know podcast is a podcast for women, offering a space for conversations around personal finance, business, life, and living. I'd love for you to subscribe to this podcast, and you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes. And if you love what you listen to, head on over to iTunes and leave a review so that other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. I'd also love for you to stop by clevergirlfinance.com. We have new content on the blog multiple times a week. We have over 30 plus free courses. Plus, when you sign up for a course, you can talk to a Clever Girl Finance mentor for free to get encouragement, motivation, or if you just want to have an open, no shame, no judgment girl talk. Finally, check out our YouTube channel. Just search Clever Girl Finance on YouTube. And if you don't already follow us on Instagram, you can find us at Clever Girl Finance. Okay, so let's get into today's episode. Hey, Kalila. Hey there. How are you? I am wonderful. I'm very excited to be here. Well, welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. I'm excited to have you on as a guest. And today we're going to be talking about women, the career exhaustion gap, and how to tackle it, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's a a big topic. But before we dive in, I would love for you to just tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm incredibly excited to be talking about this today. So thank you again for having me. But I am Kalila. I'm the founder of Brilli. And Brilli is an organization dedicated to creating gender equality in the workplace by empowering more women to reach leadership roles quicker. I started Brilli about six months ago now. And actually before Brilli, I was working in healthcare. Started off in clinical operations, running clinical trials for drugs and devices, and then transitioned into program management and the chief of staff role, which I've been for the past couple of years. So really it was through this career journey and kind of my experiences with, you know, climbing and advancing the corporate ladder and dealing with the nuances of the workplace that I became incredibly passionate about creating more gender diversity in the workplace, especially in the states where it's so desperately needed. And really the observation that while the workplace gender gap starts at the beginning of our careers, there really are very minimal resources available to early stage professional women, primarily due to cost and accessibility. So founded really out of, out of the need of creating more gender diversity and the solution for the lack of resources. So at Brilli, we're focused on democratizing access to professional training, coaching, and resources for women starting as early as their first job search to help accelerate their path to leadership, as well as also working with businesses to help implement customized diversity initiatives to support their hiring, retention, and advancement of women. Thanks for sharing that. And congratulations on launching your business. That's exciting. (laughs) Thank you so much. It has been a whirlwind. (laughs) So I would love to start off by having you define what career exhaustion is, because we hear that and I guess you kind of know what it means, but what does that really mean? And then what is the career exhaustion gap and how does it specifically affect women in the workplace? So what is career exhaustion and what is that gap associated to it? Yeah, absolutely. So when we talk about career exhaustion, we're kind of using it interchangeably with burnout. So the 
career burnout or work burnout is really a syndrome that's resulting from chronic stress, primarily created by work, but also created by then balancing work with life. So it's a result of this chronic stress. And formally, it's kind of characterized by three big symptoms. The first of which is kind of exhaustion and energy depletion. The second is feeling detached from your job or feeling very cynical about your job. And the third big symptom is kind of reduced productivity or feeling like you're not accomplishing as much as you used to be. Mm-hmm. And all of these three symptoms just results in this overwhelming feeling of fatigue, exhaustion, and a lack of kind of passion, focus, and drive. So that's yeah. burnout or exhaustion. And when we talk about the gap, we're really talking about the difference between the amount of or the proportion of women experiencing this burnout versus men, which right now the burnout is more prevalent among women. And I can definitely say that many, many people can relate to that definition of that, you know, career exhaustion, that burnout. I definitely can relate to it. Navigating, being demotivated, not being as productive, you know, Mm -hmm. definitely had several conversations on this podcast about people who are unhappy with their places of work or overworked and et cetera. And so one of the things you mentioned was obviously the gap is the difference between how men and women are, I guess, being impacted by this burnout or career exhaustion. Can you share a bit about how you think societal expectations or gender roles that we have out in the world have contributed to career exhaustion for women? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, right? We talk so much about burnout and, you know, personally, I have experienced it as well and really didn't even realize, well, A, thought kind of I was, I was never going to be on the other end of burnout. I was incredibly ambitious and motivated. I was like, this is never going to happen to me. And B, when I was in it, I didn't even realize it. So that's why I'm I'm just super excited to be talking about it today because I think we all experience it in so many different ways that sometimes it's even hard to tell we're going through it. But in terms of kind of societal expectations and gender roles and how that contributes to more women being burnt out, I think there's a lot of ways that plays into, but I'll I'll kind of just talk to a few that we focus on primarily right now at Brilli. The first of which is that women tend to be the designated caregiver and they're the caregiver, not only at home, but also at work. But at home, women are actually taking on a disproportionate amount of household responsibilities. So really just this kind of invisible list of tasks that it takes to keep a household running. And this imbalance actually grows as women move up the career ladder. So by the time women get to the leadership role, the gap between the amount of women versus men that are taking on the significant part of household responsibilities actually doubles. So at leadership, I think it's 52% of women are taking on the primary responsibilities at home versus just 13% of men. So not only are you experiencing, you know, women in these leadership roles, experiencing higher demanding jobs, but they're also then experiencing higher demanding home balance or home responsibilities. And that just really is a, is a perfect combination leading to burnout. And then at work, women are more likely to be delegated kind of these people tasks, which is things like party planning or team bonding or doing the gift giving or making sure the kitchen is stocked if there's not a designated office manager. So all of these little things that are being more delegated to women that are not only are increasing their work responsibilities, but also you know creating this feeling of not being valued or respected in your workplace, which those negative feelings also are a big cause of causing burnout. Yeah. Kind of tying into the caregiver, it's this idea of the emotional labor that women also take on. 
and they take it on significantly at work in this idea that women are focused more on kind of keeping people happy around us and managing people's emotions. So they're taking extra steps to make sure people are feeling good and confident and empowered, et cetera. That is ironically leading to the company's, you know, increased retention and reducing burnout for their peers. It is actually leading them to experience higher rates of burnout because they're going that extra step and they're taking that extra initiative to add more to their plate. Um, And really the the leaders who have to come up with these tactics to help the broader organization reduce burnout, but then what about them? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And it's funny, I think it's that women are in senior management roles specifically are twice as likely to spend more time on DEI than their male counterparts. So yeah, specifically focused on creating better environments for others, but then just leading to their burnout if they're not being rewarded or recognized for all of that work, which is crazy. It's really crazy. (laughs) And then really the last bit is this idea of the broken rock. So women are just generally facing way more obstacles on their path to leadership than men are, and therefore more likely, you know, to be in the positions where they don't have authority and they can't elicit change and they don't have really the ability to chase projects and to take responsibilities that are valuable or passionate for them. So that's just resulting in increased stress and frustration and leading to this question of like, okay, I'm putting in all of this time and energy into this work. And am I actually being rewarded and recognized appropriately? And is this actually worth all my time? Mm-hmm. So the kind of those big three things is, is I think, you know, really large aspects of where this kind of gender and society expectations are leading to increased burnout. Thanks for sharing that. I think it's really important to be able to identify, right, how burnout from a woman's perspective ties into societal and gender expectations, because there is this kind of sense of broad, I'm trying to find the word, it's like a broad (laughs) burnout is just one thing that everybody can experience, but it's particularly unique to women. And one of the things that you said that stood out to me was, you know, women are caregivers, for the most part, at home, right? Uh, household mm-hmm. makers, household managers, especially if they have young children, they tend to do more of that homemaking, caregiving activity in their household just by default. And there's statistics out there, right? You mentioned some of those. And again, if you have small children, you have just kids in general, it becomes more work, right? So not only are you managing, I don't know, household schedules, cleaning schedules, bedtimes, drop-off, pick-off, activities, meals, all that kind of stuff, then you go to work. And because you're, again, working in a society, right? Mm -hmm. Those roles carry over with you into the workplace, especially if you're in a male-dominated environment where they expect you as the woman, by default, to be the one to plan the lunches, to be the one to plan the stocking of the kitchen if there's no office admin. So you essentially are doing at home and then you're doing at work by default. Mm -hmm. And then if you're not the senior executive or lead, Sometimes it can be challenging to say, well, I'm not going to do that because you don't want to put yourself, a lot of people may feel like they don't want to put themselves in this situation where they're jeopardizing their job because they don't want to stock the kitchen. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they don't want to plan the lunch, right? And you should definitely be able to speak out about that. But this is just just generally how a lot of people feel. Yeah, and so it's just absolutely. really important to know that you hear a lot of burnout being thrown out. This person is burnt out, how to avoid burnout. But you also want to be mindful that there are different perspectives of burnout and burnout for a woman is particularly unique because of where she's coming from. (laughs) Yes, yes, absolutely. (laughs) absolutely. (laughs) In terms of the stocking kitchen, I hear so many stories of like, you know, of course I stocked the kitchen that one day because, you know, this person was out and I was just lending a hand and somehow that turned into then 
I was asked and expected to then stock the kitchen every single day after that. So it's also like somehow we're accidentally getting ourselves in these situations where it becomes the expectation of us when we were just doing, you know, the thing that of course we were just going to help out there. And somehow it just turns into this expectation. Yeah, I've definitely experienced it firsthand, right? I remember way back when working in corporate America doing the holidays, somebody brought up this great idea to have Secret Santa on a team that was very male dominated. And all of a sudden it happened to me, me and the other woman on the team who were planning the Secret Santa. And I'm like, why? (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to do this. I don't want to play Secret Santa. I don't want to spend money on people I don't even like. (laughs) Why am I not planning this, right? So it's just like a default that even things like, We would have, because I worked in consulting team events, and there was a time that we would, every month or so, we would go to the movies. And I happened to be the only woman on one particular team. And I ended up having to be the movie planner. Why? Right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) Am I not busy enough? So you think about it. It seems normal because it's, for a lot of women, those things in the office seems normal because we're so used to doing that at home, right? You're going to plan with your kids. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. But in the office, you kind of take on that role because you're so used to doing it at home. But again, like you said, it ties into, you already have this big obligation to your work. If you're feeling unhappy with your work, then that adds onto the burden of you feeling overwhelmed, demotivated, unproductive, because you have now these extra tasks that are being added on top of you as the office caretaker, which you were not hired to be. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And and for so many women too, that it feels almost embarrassing. Like really, like at my role, there's people, you know, interned or entry, et cetera, that could, and have the time to be taking on these tasks. And somehow, you know, I'm being the one having to do it. So it definitely, definitely impacts the feeling of of your value and your worth within that organization. Yeah, yeah. So definitely important to know so that for those of you listening, if you're in this space where you're experiencing burnout and you've identified it, you can catch yourself at these key points that are you know driving the burnout or making it worse than it needs to be just based on what's happening in the workplace. So we just talked about how that burnout is basically different for men versus women, but I wanted you to talk about some of the common signs of burnout and career exhaustion, because one of the things that you mentioned earlier on was that you had experienced burnout, but while you were in it, you didn't even realize it. So what are some common signs and symptoms of burnout and how can women start to recognize it? And I will say that I have definitely been in that space where I was experiencing burnout very recently. I didn't even realize it because I'm like, well, I'm still taking breaks. I'm still doing, Mm -hmm. trying to get enough sleep, but it was more than that, right? And it took me a while to actually recognize that, wait a minute, what I'm trying to do to combat what I'm feeling is not enough because I I didn't even fully understand what I was feeling in the moment. (laughs) That makes sense. (laughs) But I'll let you answer the question about the common signs and symptoms and how as women, we can recognize them for ourselves earlier rather than later. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's hard because some of the signs, right, there can be excuses for them. So some of the signs include just not wanting to work, which maybe you are in an environment or in a job that you used to be very excited. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's morning and you're having a hard time getting yourself up out of bed or to the office or even, you know, actually opening up your email for the first time that morning. And again, there can be kind of a lot of other reasons for why you could not realize that this is a sign of burnout just because maybe you're on a project you don't like, or you're working with a different person that you may not be too excited about, et cetera. Another sign is just general exhaustion and fatigue. So if you're getting your regular scheduled hours of sleep and you're still waking up exhausted or needing to drink more coffee or really having a hard time paying attention or staying awake in meetings, 
Another one is a lack of focus. So if you find yourself kind of having more trouble concentrating on a certain task that you used to be able just to kind of get done in five minutes and somehow now it's taking you 30 minutes or an hour, et cetera. And another potential sign is really an increased alcohol consumption. So are you drinking more at night than you used to be? Or are you relying on different ways to numb out? Like, are you on social media more than you used to be or watching more TV? Really any activity that is just allowing you to numb out and get away from the stress that you may be facing are all signs of burnout. And kind of ways to be able to recognize these in yourself is really being able to, of course, you know, have open conversations with colleagues and your partner or your family members, your friends to help kind of have them, you know, be checking in on you too, and be able to recognize and tell you if they're experiencing or seeing kind of different habits or behaviors in you. But then you can also, you know, obviously check in with yourself and ask yourself different questions like, am I having to drag myself to work every day? Or am I having trouble getting started at my work more than I ever used to be? Or after every day, did I get more irritated or impatient with my coworkers? Did I snap at them during that meeting? That wasn't something I ever did before. Like maybe there's something going on there. Or again, the energy thing, like, am I feeling more lethargic than I used to be? Why am I like not having the motivation to go to the gym like I used to be or going on those walks outside that used to be so important to me? And then another big one is definitely have my sleep habits change. So maybe I used to do seven and a half hours of sleep every night. And now all of a sudden I'm doing 10 hours of sleep, or maybe I'm doing five hours of sleep. And kind of if you're answering any of those questions in a way that you didn't used to answer, those are all clear signs of burnout and and kind of signs to start figuring out and thinking about, A, why am I experiencing this burnout? B, are there things in my life that I would like to change? And C, start coming up with a plan of like, okay, now that I know I'm experiencing burnout, I want these different things in my life. Now let's figure out how to go get them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those are all really great ways to assess yourself. Just asking yourself, starting with what has changed, what is different that's making me feel this way. I think that is just so foundational to help you start identifying what's going on. And I've definitely, based on all of the points that you made, like all of that, I've experienced all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh gosh, I know it's so hard. Forever to get out of bed, just feeling overly exhausted. Even when I slept my six hours, I have a friend who, will call me occasionally and she'll just say, she'll ask me questions about work. How is work? How's business? How's this? And she's not asking because she's trying to motivate me to do more work. She's asking because as soon as I tell all these different things, she's like, oh, so you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing that. Are you taking a break? Have you taken time off for yourself? She's always checking in on me. Oh, that's amazing. um, (laughs) To make sure that when I tell her this long list of things I'm doing, (laughs) I'm also telling her, what I'm doing in terms of like just navigating breaks. But yes, I relate to all of that. And again, asking yourself those questions, what is different, right? Can be mm-hmm. can be very, very helpful. Because you know, the thing about burnout is that it's really hard to recover from. It's not like you take the weekend off and you're no longer burnt out. Well, in my own personal experience, I found that, I mean, I've experienced burnout every now and then, but the one time I've experienced really major burnout, it took months to recover from it. 
even by doing all the right things of going to bed early, you know, taking the time off, all the things you should be doing, which we'll talk about, but it can take months. So you want to make sure that you identify it as quickly as possible and you start to address it as quickly as possible. Even something as simple like working on a project you don't like or working with difficult people, if that is taking up a ton of your mental energy, it starts to increase your stress levels. And that in turn can lead to burnout, even though everything else is going well, because you're just spending so much of your mental capacity worrying about or thinking through this difficult person, this difficult project you hate, this environment you don't want to be in, et cetera. So that leads me to my next question, because a lot of times as women, there's this pressure of us just wanting to do it all right. We want to be the amazing mom. We want to be the amazing caregiver, the amazing home caretaker, the amazing executive of work, the amazing boss, the amazing employee. We just want to do well. We want to do all things well. That's just who we are as women. A lot of us are just, we give, 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 right? In every aspect of our lives. So how can women navigate that pressure of wanting to be all, but at the same time, balance that personal and professional life without sacrificing your well-being and in turn, getting to that point of career exhaustion or burnout? Any question. I certainly can't pretend that I have any, you know, specific, right, concrete answer for that. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's such a big one. And it's so different for everyone. So I think first, I want to like caveat with I don't have children. So I'm not a mother. And so have not experienced the challenges and the sacrifices and the barriers and all that that comes with having children. But in terms of kind of having it all in, in the way that I've experienced it, which has been trying to manage a high demanding job and an engagement and planning a wedding and being a good family member and being a good friend. My experience is that things just change can change really, really quickly. And so I think as women, you mentioned it too, we have really high expectations for ourselves and high expectations for kind of our constant output. And really a big advice that I have for everyone is is having grace and compassion for yourself that you are a human being and you're going to go through different phases of life and maybe things are not going to be as pretty during a certain phase or you're not going to be able to devote as much time in a certain area or be there for that one friend during a time that you used to be able to and really having the compassion and grace and forgiveness for yourself to be accepting of that. And another big kind of question I would ask is, is really what is your having people check in with what is their definition of having it all? I think that a lot of women were being raised with this idea and this kind of definition of what, you know, quote unquote, having it all looks like and means for us, when in reality, maybe that's not actually the case for you. So checking in, what do you really want out of life? What are your personal values? What do you get super excited about? Where do you want to be devoting your time? And and what is, you know, your personal success look like to you? And then kind of making sure that you're creating that vision for yourself and based off of nobody else, but your own personal, like inner soul. And then once you have that, you know, thought through and mapped out, you know, really asking for help. If you're feeling like you're not able or you're having difficulty kind of balancing it all. And you can ask for help from your partner, your family, your employee, or your doctors, et cetera. And really just having conversations about where you need extra support and extra kind of even potential guidance and knowing that asking for help is not a sign of weakness. And in fact, it's it's really a sign of strength. Mm -hmm. And the last big piece is, is women are more prone to have this horrible cycle of guilt. We, again, really have guilt in terms of, and again, you mentioned it too, but guilt for needing to be there for everybody and anyone. 
And so really a big piece of advice is taking notice of how you're saying things to yourself and how you're talking to yourself. So if you're using things like, I should be doing this, or why didn't I do this, or I shouldn't have done that, making sure that you're taking the time to hear those thoughts and you're actually responding to them. So my biggest struggle lately has been the gym. Like, why didn't I go to the gym yesterday? I had it mapped out, you know, had it blocked off from my calendar and I just sat around and watched TV instead which I did do this morning, actually. <laughs> so then I had to take that thought and be like, okay, I the going to the gym every morning is helpful for my sanity and my mental health, et cetera. But this morning I was really tired and I was pretty stressed out and it was okay that I took the day off. And really, really just being able to challenge those thoughts and respond to them and again, have the compassion and grace for yourself as a human being. Hey everyone, before we continue with this podcast episode, I'd love for you to check out the best-selling Clever Girl Finance book series. There are three books in the series, and the first book is Clever Girl Finance, Ditch Debt, Save Money, and Build Real Wealth. The second book is Grow Your Money, Learn How Investing Works. And the third book is called The Side Hustle Guide, Build a Successful Side Hustle and Increase Your Income. You can also check out my fourth book called Choosing to Prosper, Triumphing Over Adversity, Breaking Out of Comfort Zones, Achieving Your Life and Money Dreams. And this book highlights my personal story to building a business of impact and challenges you as the reader to dig deep into laying out what you truly want to accomplish for yourself. I wrote each of these books to empower women just like you to achieve your goals and get to the point where you're living the life you desire on your own terms. If you love these books, be sure to tell your best girlfriends and they also make the perfect gift. These books are available everywhere books are sold and you can purchase them as ebooks, audiobooks, and also physical books. And you can also ask your local library to order them as well. Thank you so much. And let's get back to the episode. Yeah, I agree with all of those points, you know, and one of the things you mentioned before you, you paraphrased before your answer was that you don't have kids. So you don't have the experience of people who are facing, who have kids and are facing that challenge in association to their burnout. But I just wanted to add, because I've been on both sides, right? I have kids and I was working in corporate America when I didn't have kids. And I think when I didn't have kids, I definitely experienced burnout, but it was more so because I felt like I didn't have an excuse not to keep mm. going as hard as possible, right? So I could stay up to three in the morning. I could, I could be the one to work the late nights. In fact, sometimes I would be the one volunteered, not on my part, but by my boss's <laughs> part, because I, I was the one who didn't have the kids or to come in earlier, to do this extra thing at work. Because guess what? When I get home, I have all the hours to myself. And so I just was like, well, I don't have the kids. So I'm just going to push myself and let other people push me as hard as possible. And that leads to burnout. And then on the other hand, you have the kids and then you can't do all the things that eat up all your hours because you have to be present for your kids. But at the same time, being present for your kids, a lot of times we need to, right? Or we feel guilty of not mm -hmm. being able to do certain things that we start to overcompensate. And that combined of doing the things for our families, for our kids, or trying to overcompensate for not always being there can also lead to burnout. So whether you have children or <laughs> you don't have children, your burnout is valid, right? Whether you are single, married, whatever, whoever and whatever you are, if you are experiencing burnout, it is valid. There is no criteria of what you have to have going on in your life to experience burnout, right? It's not only people who have kids or only people who are married or only people who own a home <laughs> yeah. or only people who commute that experience burnout. Anybody can experience burnout just in, given certain circumstances associated to your personal life and your work life, right? So just wanted Absolutely. to throw that out there. <laughs> 
but I, I love that I, you mentioned your perspective or mindset when you didn't have kids. That's actually something that's unique. And I actually haven't heard that before, but it's so true because as you're saying that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I felt the exact same way. <laughs> and I think that led to me not understanding that I was experiencing burnout because in my mind, I was like, why would I be burnt out? I don't have, you know, all, yeah, the, you have all the time in the world. Yeah. That's what the heck is going on with yeah. me? So yeah, I love that you brought that up because I relate to that so much. And I also love the, what you said about giving ourselves grace, right? Just to not have to do it all. Just give yourself grace to not judge yourself for not doing it all, to to not feel bad if you occasionally fall short, right? You talked about not being able to go to the gym because you needed a break, perfectly fine. And then also understanding what does it really mean to have it all for you? Because sometimes, you know, we're seeing a lot of smoke and mirrors. We see women out there who seem to have it all, right? They're doing a million things at home. (laughs) They're baking the cookies from scratch. They're making the gourmet meals from scratch and they're running full-time businesses and then they have a full-time job and they have a full-time mentorship yes. <laughs> thing they're doing and they have 17 million hours in their 24-hour day <laughs> so it's, true it's all packaging okay yes. it's packaged so nicely it's the highlight reel on social media you don't see the struggle behind the scene so you have to determine what does it mean to you what is prioritize what's most important to you you know between whatever you have going on and then plan accordingly, right? If you have to say, okay, by 6 p.m. I need to be done with work and I'll finish tomorrow, then prioritize how you're going to make that happen. How do you need to adjust your workday? What conversations do you need to have with your boss to make sure that by 6 p.m. you're done and you can move on to your personal life, whatever else you want to do for yourself, and then come back tomorrow. So it's very, very important. And then creating your own vision, asking for help. Those are all things. I think as women, sometimes when we start to feel that guilt about not being able to do it all, we also feel challenged about asking for help because we feel, Mm -hmm. we start to think about, oh, I'm putting my burden on this other person. I don't want them to think about me this way. What if they're busy? But we don't know that they're busy. We don't know what, (laughs) we don't know that they don't want to help us. And half the time, in fact, more than half the time, people are so willing to jump in and help you if you only just ask, right? So it's really important to not just ask for help, but also take the help when it's offered. Because sometimes we will be struggling, like we'll be struggling. And only people who cannot see that we're struggling is ourselves. And mm-hmm. someone is going to volunteer and say, hey, listen, let me help you take the help, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. The comparing yourself to others with all the social media stuff, I think is is really overwhelming and definitely contributes to a lot of women feeling like, I mean, and from my personal experience, feeling like somehow I'm not ever doing enough. So yes, figuring out figuring out a way to to also reduce the impact of kind of that whole world is is definitely kind of a huge task. Yeah. And yeah. huge over undertaking. Yeah. And you know, so you've talked about what we can be doing on our own part to like identify the burnout, manage the burnout, you know, create our own sense of balance for ourselves. But obviously we know that companies and managers should be better supporting women in their careers, right? As the heads and leads of these organizations that are hiring us as women, they should be able to support us to prevent burnout, right? So Mm -hmm. in the workplace, what are some ways that women can start to advocate for themselves and negotiate for maybe better working conditions or better benefits or better resources to help them prevent burnout at work and advance their careers? Because 
I can plan to get nine hours of sleep every night, but still go to it. <laughs> That's my, I can say, no, I'm going to stop getting six hours. I'm going to get nine hours as my way to combat my burnout, but I still have to go to this workplace, right? I still yeah. have to go to the Zoom call. I have to still have to deal with the kitchen organization task I've been assigned. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I can do yeah. changes from me personally, but then how do I speak up at work and say, listen, I need you to support me as an, an employee, as a contributing employee at this organization, contributing to your success, contributing to your profits. I add value here. Right. So how are you going to support me to navigate this burnout situation, career exhaustion situation? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. and and. I want to start with a little bit of mindfulness of this balance between, and and we work on this a lot and talk about this a lot with Brilli is making sure we're acknowledging that we're not putting all of the responsibility on women to make these changes. There's a lot that we as women can do, you know, to try to better situations for ourselves and to speak up and advocate. But in reality, as, as you mentioned, is it's really the ownership and the responsibility of companies. And we, we also need to be aware that we need to put the pressure there, that companies need to be creating environments and prioritizing workplaces that prevent burnout by creating inclusive cultures, by creating programs to help women find better balance, you know, fixing misalignment between job expectations and reality. So is this person over here in this job doing a significant amount of work, but her title is X and her salary is Y and why is that not more? Um, and really making well-being a priority in at work and creating the the flexible schedules to create that. So definitely companies are in a situation where they need to be doing a lot more to create workplaces that that support women. And without that, really, there's only so much as we as individuals can do. So want to want to highlight that. But in terms of you know what can now women do to advocate for themselves in, in the workplaces, you know it's going to start off with. Again, each person is is unique and each environment is unique. So reflecting on like, what are your specific needs? Like, are you being asked every day to stock that kitchen? Or are you for some reason the one going to get the lunches every day? Or are you feeling like you're being spoken over in, in meetings and your ideas aren't being recognized as being your own or your pay maybe is not to the to the level that you expect it? So whatever it is within your environment and your work that is creating a feeling of not being valued or not being recognized or, you know, feeling like your next promotion is, is you know, unattainable, et cetera, whatever that is, reflect on that. And kind of, honestly, I would recommend creating a list, creating a list so that you can create specific plans because some of those may be different. Some of those may involve like the plan of action may involve talking to your specific hiring manager or your specific, you know, line manager. Um, some of them may have to involve going to HR. If there's somebody on a different team who keeps, you know, speaking over you or asking you to do something that's outside of your responsibility, et cetera, that may need to, to have a conversation with HR. And then a, a big one is, is really taking a look at your schedule. So I know some people are being asked if, if they're working remotely to get on calls, you know, starting at 7 a.m. if they're Pacific time. And then somehow they're also going till 7 p.m. because then they've got, you know, end of day Pacific time meetings. And so taking a look at like, you know, structural areas at your work that need fixing in order to allow you to have a better work-life balance. And then making sure you're you're also having those discussions. And when I say discussions, I think we easily kind of gloss over that, like, oh yeah, just go talk to your HR manager. Or go talk, I mean, go talk to HR, or go talk to your manager, and it's all great. 
And it is, I want to recognize it's really overwhelming and stressful to have those conversations. And I remember, you know, a few years into my career, like, honestly, it would have taken a lot for me to be able to have that conversation. And again, I then ended up experiencing burnout. So I clearly, you know, looking back, I should have been having more of these conversations, but it is overwhelming and scary and intimidating to have those conversations. And so if you are feeling that and you need extra support, again, I would just encourage you to reach out to a mentor or a sponsor or a colleague or a community to be able to to get their support and lean on them to to help give you the the jolt needed to be able to have a really effective conversation like that. Mm -hmm. I am wholly in support of having those conversations and especially as women to advocate for ourselves, because a lot of times we assume that there should be certain resources and tools and benefits, et cetera, in place for us. But if we haven't asked for them, sometimes you can't just expect them to happen, right? So speaking from personal experience, when I was working in corporate America and I was pregnant, I remember talking to another woman who had had babies and she had said that she had worked up until the the day before she, or the day she went into labor, she worked up until the day. And I was like, why? She's like, oh, well, you know, she was able to work, she, even though she was exhausted, but our company does not have a maternity leave policy at the time. And I knew mm. that the company did not have a maternity leave policy, which means that you would have to take unpaid time off. And if we had FMLA, they would cover up to a certain percentage. I think at the time mine covered, I don't know, like 75% of my salary for like the first, I don't know, few weeks, something like that. So that was in place. And I was like, okay, it was just accepted that we didn't have a maternity leave policy. You're going to take time off work. You're going to have to leverage FMLA. And then I started looking at just paying attention more to what kind of requests in terms of benefits and resources and tools were being put forward at my company. And I saw that there was a request and a petition for paternity leave (laughs) for parents who their partners had just had a baby. But wait a minute, we don't have a maternity for the birther of the baby. Okay, fine. Then I noticed there was also a request and a petition for pet adoption for people who newly adopted pets to have 10 Mm. days off. But wait a minute, I'm birthing a whole entire baby and there's no maternity leave. I was like, you know what? No, I need a petition and I need a request. And the only reason there was no petition or request for maternity leave was because our leadership team, I think at the time was 100% male. So it was not something they thought about. And nobody had asked, had made it a point because it was assumed that, well, we should have maternity leave, but we don't. And there must be a reason for it. But there was really no valid reason for it. So I ended up having to talk to a bunch of different women and we created our own petition. Obviously, it didn't cover for me because I was closer to having my babies, but there is now a maternity leave policy at that company. So sometimes you just have to, you know, imagine I went on bed rest at four and a half months with my kids and I stopped, I couldn't go to work, right? So that's of a nine, 10 month pregnancy. (laughs) That's five months of where I would, I had to take unpaid time off, right? That's a huge impact to somebody's financial planning. And then if you are in a situation where you can't take time off because you're not going to get paid and you have to work, work, work and kill yourself, experience burnout, for example, while you're pregnant, that's another issue. So and this is just my you know, story around pregnancy, maternity leave. There's many different scenarios in which you might need to just speak up and ask, have the conversation with HR, have the conversation with other women in your organization, have a conversation with a boss or a senior executive, just so that you're making sure that what you need to support yourself in your career, to avoid the career exhaustion, to avoid the motivation, the demotivation, to avoid the burnout, you're getting what you need or you're opening the conversations to see how you can get what you need. And that will likely also help other women in your organization as well. 
Yes, absolutely. That's a really big point. There is probably what you're experiencing is probably something other people are experiencing as well. So the more conversations and kind of the more you ask for for changing or bettering certain situations definitely will have a huge positive impact on others too, which is really amazing. That is a wild story though. I can't believe there was no maternity leave and there was somehow like paternal as well as something relating to pets. But that's because Um, those people asked. There was nothing to begin with. Then somebody said, you know what? My wife had a baby. My partner had a baby. I want paternity leave. And they went and got a bunch of signatures. Guess what happened? There was paternity leave. And someone said, you know what? I'm adopting a pet today. I need some time off the bottom of my pet. (laughs) And they're like, did did you adopt a pet? Are you getting a pet? And they let's make the request. And they did that. But, you know, so it's like, I remember people like, it's so crazy. How can there be a request for paternity leave and and pet leave? I'm like, they asked. That's why there's a request for it. They advocated for their, for their needs. Yes. And somehow, right. That's such a, it's such a good point because somehow women like we, again, from personal experience have been more, I've been more intimidated by asking those types of questions. And for some reason, they're definitely men have an easier time just being like, this is what I want. So I'm going to ask it. And definitely somehow comes a lot easier to them because I think they are more confident in those types of situations. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that. So I, I had a couple more questions for you. There is definitely someone listening to this who is in the throes of career exhaustion, who is feeling extreme burnout, who's feeling demotivated by work. Maybe they hate going to their job. They're working with a difficult client, difficult boss, difficult teammate, difficult project. What advice would you give to someone who's navigating burnout now today, listening to this and she's like, oh God, I need help. What advice do you have? The first piece of advice I would say is that you are not alone in it. So I know you've said that now, but that I think is just such a such a huge point that whoever is going through something like this is not alone. And you have so many people around you that may you may not even realize that are going through similar things and similar kind of feelings. Another, you know, my big piece of advice would be to lean into your community and your networks. So whether that be family, friends, colleagues, mentors, et cetera, finding other like-minded individuals that again, may have experienced or experiencing currently similar things and be able to lean on and support each other in that situation. And really, again, I think somehow there's this idea of of shame, and I know we've talked a little bit about it, but the shame and the guilt that we may feel if we're experiencing burnout, that kind of prevents us from talking about it or bringing it up or telling somebody about it because of fear that it that somehow makes us not good enough. So definitely kind of trying to challenge your thoughts there and, and trying to challenge yourself to be able to open up a little bit. And it doesn't need to be, you don't need to open up to the world or to everybody or but really finding a select few to be able to open up to and just really have their emotional support. Even if they can't provide you with like tactical, this is now what you should do. And and these are the next steps you should take, but really just having somebody be able to relate and, and provide you with the love and the care and the support that you're so deserving of is, is really important. And the, the next piece of advice, there are a lot of kind of online resources and tools. I would definitely recommend the Brilli community. But there's a lot of online blog articles, resources, tools that you can go to for kind of information of how to, again, become aware of the burnout, how to address the burnout, and really how to create situations in in the future to try to avoid it from happening again. 
that are all really, really useful. And then last is really just your self-love. And again, I'm going to keep highlighting the the grace and the compassion and your self-love is so important to be considerate and kind to yourself when you're going through such a hard thing and, and being understanding and, and kind of compassionate for yourself that you're going through something difficult. Your life may look a little bit different when you're going through it. You may not be as productive. You may not be as energetic, et cetera, but that is very okay because the most important thing that you're doing is realizing it and working through it. And that's really all that matters. I love that. I love that. That is really great advice and definitely necessary, you know, for anyone who's just facing those challenges right now, because it can feel overwhelming and you can feel isolated or even embarrassed to just want to figure out how to get the support you need. So those are really, really great points. So yeah, thank you so much for being here, Khalila. I have to ask you the question I ask everyone, and that is, what is your Clever Girl superpower? <laughs> um, this great question. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would have to say, I think I have a superpower of hyping people up. <laughs> the ultimate hype. But I think that I really believe that every single individual has such brilliance and light within us. One of my favorite poems is is Our Deepest Fear. And she talks about in the poem that really what we're most afraid of is not that like we're inadequate, but that we're beyond powerful. So I think one of my superpowers is really helping and hype women up and being able to see kind of all the potential and the brilliance and their opportunities that are are within them and how competent and capable and smart they are and helping them realize that and and maybe help them accomplish things that they wouldn't have had otherwise so really just the general just hyping hyping people up (laughs) i love that right everybody needs a good hype person so yeah (laughs) (laughs) so if you're looking for a hype person you can come to me i will hype you up And then finally, please tell everybody where they can find you, how to connect with you, your business, and what specific services or resources you offer. Yeah, absolutely. So you can follow us on social media. Our handle is I am Brilly, and Brilly is B-R-I-L-L-I-E. And then you can also subscribe to our email list and join our community at our website, which is Brilly.org. And within our community, we provide, we have a really robust program of events that includes different trainings, workshops, and office hours with industry leaders, executives, and experts, all focused on building up your professional toolkit, strengthening your leadership skills, and again, kind of all the things that go with being a woman in the workplace. So how to reduce burnout, how to stay motivated, how to set goals, etc. So there's that as well as opportunities to find a mentor. And then really the biggest part is, is being able to connect and build relationships with other like-minded, ambitious female professionals so that you can all find all of that on our website. Awesome. And I will, we will be sure to include that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for being here and for sharing these incredible insights and advice with us. Thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode, and I hope you enjoyed it. If you've loved the episode, but you don't yet subscribe to the podcast, you can do that everywhere you listen to your podcast episodes and head on over to iTunes and leave a review so other amazing women just like you can find this podcast as well. Thank you so much for being here, and I'll talk to you on the next episode.